it's not the same without fans in the building. We're trying to bring it. We're trying to bring that, uh, bring it for the fans, and we know that fans will bring the energy, and we know the impact that that will make on the team. 401 all-purpose yards given up to running backs this season in two games. I, I think that fares well for, for Dalvin Cook this week. I, I'm expecting at least 200 all-purpose yards for Dalvin Cook. Welcome into the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode 112. We are so excited that football returns to U.S. Bank Stadium this weekend. Joined alongside Chris Corso, Jay Nelson, and Gabe Henderson, I'm Tatum Everett. And I I know that we're looking forward to Sunday, so excited about what's going on, but we've also turned the page because literally four points separate us from being 2-0 and instead of 0-2, and, and it stings, but... It might come back to bite us, but you know, this is a brand new week, guys. Brand new week. Um, I'm feeling the freshness. Are you feeling it? It's yeah. a little colder mm. outside. Yes, yeah, it's, it's fall. It's refreshing. So, it, so I feel like football Last season day just of started. Summer is over. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that September 22nd? I Today is the first day of wow. fall. I think it was yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Or yesterday. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was walking my dog yesterday. I know we always <laughs> talk dogs on this show, and. Um, I had a t-shirt on and some shorts, and I didn't know how cold it was. And I walked out, and I was like, "Okay, I need to go inside. I need yep. to change my closet, change my wardrobe, start figuring this thing out because I probably won't see sidewalks again after the month of October until about April. So it's it's getting that time of the year where where the weather is dropping, but it is football season for sure. Yeah, winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> That's a famous thing around here at this point. You know, like Gabe said, after I, I kind of do the after October's over, all bets are off at this point. <laughs> now, the question for you, Gabe, is you won't see sidewalks because you won't go outside or it's going to be snow covered? Well, I won't go outside after uh, October 15th because last October 15th, uh, we got about two inches of snow. Yeah, so I don't that. go outside after that, after <laughs> I see that kind of snow. And then, I mean, what, November, it'll be snow on the sidewalks for the, I guess, what, until April? Potentially. So, yeah, we both, both to answer your question. I mean, it all depends. You know, we've got some years where you don't see a flake of snow until almost Christmas. And then there's other years where, you know, it basically you're trick or treating and you're stopping through the snow. So you just never know. Well, thank God we have an indoor, pra- indoor practice and um, game stadium. So fans That's- won't have to worry about that on Sunday. And we're home. We're home for the next three games. Yep. So yeah. it's just going to be such a nice way to to get us into this fall football mood. That's for sure. Um, and and I know you know last week we had a vent session because it was such a frustrating game, and I just kind of felt like I was living in Groundhog World again, Groundhog Day World, where I was just again down to the wire, pretty emotionally invested, very upset, (laughs) heartbroken. You know, I could go on and on. Um, So as a result, I figured we'd bring back the vent session again. Mm. I think we all need it. Not Not a a bad bad idea. idea. (laughs) You know, and we'll do it a little earlier this week so we get it out of the way and can start being more positive on Thursdays. Um, So the rules for last time were you get like a minute. I need, you know, your final thoughts. We're going to put all of the negativity and the sadness away and um, and make way for, you know, an exciting, exciting week. Because, I mean, as as tough as it is to be 0-2, knowing the home opener is in a few days is just amazing. It really is. Corso, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, 
we missed that home field advantage at U.S. Bank Stadium last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're going to hear about it a little bit from Vikings Director of Entertainment, Greg Bostrom, who joins the show. But when the fans are going and, you know, doing the skull chant and getting excited, it's such a big-time advantage for this team. And the fact we're, you know, we're on the road for two tough games to start the season, two offenses that have quite the, you know, array of playmakers on, on all sides uh, in the Bengals, and and then obviously we saw it in that game oh. against the freaking uh, against the Cardinals. I mean, that was a shootout. I mean, you yeah. don't see Mike Zimmer's team play in too many shootout games, and that's exactly uh, what just happened there in Glendale, Arizona. So I think that you know the Vikings fans is going to be kind of on you guys, man. Yeah, just do what you do, do what you do great, like and uh, you're going to help out Coach Zimmer. It's going to be, I think, the next three three games you'll see a different Vikings team. That's what I'm. That's what I'm hoping for sure. I mean, especially just from the the raucous crowds that we faced the last two weeks, you you would expect the guys just to get up for this game. It's mm-hmm. a lot of pe- players' first games with a fan. I mean, think of all the rookies last year: JJ, uh, Cam Dantzler, DJ Wanham. Like they played home games, but they never played with the home crowd. So I think that weighs to our favor. And we are playing the Seattle Seahawks, and they're known for their twelfth man. So I think the Purple Faithful have to show who the real twelfth man is on Sunday. If you remember in the Audible, too, when J.J. was on the first time, that was one of the things he cited was the fact that it was weird last year going mm-hmm. from being at LSU with 100,000 people to going into an empty stadium. And sure. I think those guys walking into a building, the rookies from last year, the rookies this year, and even just the veterans, the juice that especially defensively that they pull off of that, seeing our guys when the fans are going crazy, yeah. asking for more, that kind of stuff is is a difference maker. And so, like you said as well, the, the it'll be on the fans to really provide that extra spark and extra juice on Sunday. Yeah. I think they're up for the challenge. Yeah, I, I do not want to hear JJ's heels hit the ground when he gritties after he touches them. Like, <laughs> I, I want to hear the fans scream. I don't want to hear his heels. You can hear that from the press box? I, last, yeah, yeah, last year you could. It felt like it. <laughs> you could hear the microphones, every every person's uh, you know conversations in between plays. I don't want to hear that this year. Yeah, no, I don't blame you at all. Well, you know, let's, let's get to this vent sesh, and then we're going to uh, invite in as... Chris mentioned we're going to invite in the Vikings director of entertainment, Greg Bostrom, to really get you primed and ready to go for the game on Sunday. And then after that, we'll end on our usual two things we're excited about, one thing we're nervous about, just to get us really, really ready to go from the X's and O's side of things for this Seahawks game. Um, We got the fans covered with Greg. We got that with uh, uh, the X's and O's with us at the end. So let's just get, you know, our frustrations out because, you know, guys, as, as excited as we are and as positive as we are about Sunday. You know, we are 0-2. So, <laughs> so Gabe, do you want to go first? I will take the honors. Okay. I will take the honors. All right, you guys. I will count you down. Three, two. Wow, I went right into TV voice. Did you just yeah, hear that? I love went it. Completely different <laughs> on the countdown. Wow. Too many mic checks. <laughs> All right. I love it. Three, two, one. So... <sighs> My biggest vent sesh is how we play in the second quarter. Um, We are the second worst second quarter defense in the NFL, averaging 15 and a half points in the second quarter. Of course, you know, the Bengals scored 14. They scored the last two drives heading to the half. And then this past weekend, the Cardinals scored 17 points going into the half. Ten of those points came in the last, well, 10 of those points came in 34 seconds. So if we buckle down, and we actually anchor and actually play big-time defense before the half, I think that changes 
the game. I think that changes the trajectory of the game because the last two games we've lost the, the coin toss uh, at the beginning of the game. So we know we're not getting the ball when we get out of the break. So let's play better defense. Let's have a good opening, a good closing, and finish the game strong. You got three seconds. Three left. seconds. I, I went over three seconds. So that's there, you made up for last, the last week. Time. I, yeah, last week okay. I went over three seconds. So you know, I'm, I'm, I think he's I think he's getting good at this, Tatum. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> J, Jay is by far the best. Very concise. Yeah. With your that was very good. There, I, I will, love it. Setting I will, me up for failure yeah. on the next one. Here, buddy. <laughs> I'm going up to the very buzzer. I'm using every second that I have on the show. Now, Make the now, most of it. My vent sesh is that Gabe stole my vent sesh. I'm really? Just kidding. Oh. No, my, I mean it was definitely yeah. along the same lines. I'm pretty close to the same thing. Yeah, I mean I think that's just kind of where. When you yeah. think about like what I said a second ago, four points in the last two games is yeah. what you lost lose by. If you don't allow those points at the end of the second half right. uh, or first half, if you don't allow them to score on their first touchdown of the of the second half, mm-hmm. you're you're ahead by uh, double digits. I mean, t- teams are what four or five, five or six against us on the last three drives of the second half. I mean, yeah. the last two drives, last three drives, like I said, against Arizona, mm-hmm. field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Last three drives against Cincinnati, punt, touchdown, touchdown. So yeah. it, we, we got to get better. And Xavier Woods pointed that out this week that, um, I mean, he really didn't sugarcoat it. He said they sucked. <laughs> he said we we suck at the end of the second quarter. And if we tighten it up, but like you said, Gabe, and start communicating more, everyone does their job and don't have that lapse in performance, you know, that's that's something that I'm actually excited to see or hopefully see, um, you know, on Sunday. So Love it. Uh, yeah, well, good one. I like that fence. Such a nice job, game. Save three seconds, Jay. You got an extra three. Ooh, that I don't was think very that, generous. I don't think that's how this works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jay, I'll count you down. You ready? All righty. Three, two, one. Uh, piggybacking off what you just talked about there, Gabe, the biggest thing for me was the fact that you had under a minute left, gave up giant chunks of the field. We all know what uh, Prater has done in his past to us with the Lions. Hits a 62-yarder. You're just like, man, it's a 62-yarder. You just have to tip tip your cap to him. Mm -hmm. But the bigger part for me is the fact that we always talk about this being a game of of just super thin margins. Like you said, we've lost by a grand total of four points in two games. The fact that it's come down to like one, two, or three minor slash we think they're minor turn into major plays – in every single game, that is the margin of victory or the margin of defeat. For us being at home, like we just talked about, I hope a little bit of juice is going to help us in those moments to help provide that extra spark to keep the intensity. And I'm really hoping that come this weekend, we're walking out of U.S. Bank Stadium with a victory because we buttoned up all those little things after the first game. We got rid of the penalties the second game. We stop with the mistakes. So, oh, look at him! Wow! Look at him. If I hadn't, in, if I hadn't added in the so, I would have hit it on the nose. Oh, that was perfect. So, very nice, <laughs> very nice. Yeah, it just it feels like I, I think that we're not well, and maybe it's just because it's an zero and two start. But there really needs to be more credit given to the turnaround from week one to week two. Mm. I, and I think part of that too was if you look at even just the way. Not only the players handled it, Coach Zimmer handled it, especially publicly, but even internally. You missed the kick at the end of the game, and then you had Adam Thielen walking up to Greg Joseph and say, listen, I fumbled before and had it be the difference in a game as well. This does not define you. And I sure. think that's the biggest thing is is you. I think having a more veteran locker room this year as well, it helps to reduce the, the finger-pointing and the blame game that's going on. Fans – 
there's the emotional side to this thing, and I get that. At the same point, those guys in that locker room are the ones that have another 15 games left in this season. And you cannot have that locker room start to fall apart and point fingers and stuff like that. It just means that these guys have to galvanize together. And I think the veteran presence know, yes, it's 0-2. Yes, you've dug yourself a hole, but you still have 15 games to fix this. And playoffs and everything are still within your reach. Well, and you're not, by not blaming each other, it, it, it keeps the positivity in there, like you said. I mean, you can't have... You can't psych out your kicker. Now, I know we had them on the podcast last week and they seem like very like big professionals. They're very they know it's 75 percent mental. They know that they have to have their head straight for moments like that. And yeah, would you want Greg Joseph to to make a 37 yarder and expect him to? Of course. But you can't go all, you know, uh, negative on him for the next time he has to step up and do this. And, And that's happened before. And I feel like Mike Zimmer's learned from his mistakes of how he's handled kicking situations, because in the past, I, I think he's probably been a little bit more, you know, um, frontal or, and vocal. Yes. In the media, very much like on the front of it, just blaming the kicker and saying uh, and being negative about it. And I, he's taking a different approach because I think he knows we have a special team. When you know you have a special team, you don't want to harp over uh, a, a missed, a missed, uh, a mental error like that this early on in the season. Like Jay said, with these veterans and, you know, adding that mental toughness to the group. That's not something that you 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 lose your mind about right now. It's like, hey, we know we should have won that game. It shouldn't have came down to that field goal. We know we should have beat that team. So let's let's not vent too much about this. Oh, Corso, I'm ready. That sigh you had makes me feel like you're ready and primed to go. Cor- Corso, I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna ask you a question. I'm just gonna press the button. Corso, let's don't do go scorched earth. <laughs> All right, Corso. Three, two, one. Since Gabe went with the second quarter, I'm going to put a little different spin on mine. Mine's the big play right before half. Looking at both games, you have the same exact situation with a 50-yard touchdown to Jamar Chase just breaking through the Vikings secondary. A touchdown that shouldn't have happened in that moment and completely changes the momentum of the game. Same thing happened with Rondell Moore, 77-yard touchdown in a shootout in a game that it seemed like we were starting to get momentum there, and then it just completely changes into halftime. Those kind of things are deflating for a team, and it's something that I was lucky enough to be sitting in the TCL radio studios and hear Pete Bursich just breaking down the play with Gabe Henderson right here, and uh, just hearing him just like talk about that. It was just one little mental error that just completely changes the game. Those things should not be happening in a Mike Zimmer defense. And I want to see them completely end. Hopefully I'm right on time right there. Three seconds. Mm. I, I wanted to be over. No more big touchdowns. <laughs> Speaking of no threes. more big touchdowns. <laughs> no more big touchdowns. To rookies, especially. Yeah. Preach. Yeah. Electrifying rookies. You're right. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like a lot of the, the coverage was was solid, especially, you know, keeping DeAndre Hopkins in half in check after the first quarter. Yes. Uh, you know, th- those kind of big mental plays, you're right. They swing the momentum. And it would be great to to not see those. I mean, I think you kind of have to expect at least one or two against our secondary in this case, but you can't let them define the the yes. ter- the, the, the way momentum, the game goes. The exactly. swing. I mean, young quarterbacks sure. getting confidence in both situations. Mm. I just think those two plays. Uh, you could blame the kick. You could blame here and there the penalties. Obviously, the penalties, but. Big plays win games, and that's what happened in both of these two first games. All right, I'll I will go. Three, two, 
one. So I, I know we've been harping on the secondary, and I know it stinks when they have those big plays. I don't like the way they, they played in the end of the second quarter, beginning of the third quarter either. But I need the offense to make it on third down. There was just nothing more frustrating than sitting up on uh, – in the fourth quarter, I'm sitting at the postgame live desk, and I'm updating stats, and I'm like, are we really this bad on third down? As much as it was great to see the offense – play so much better and the offensive line protects so much better. I need to see more sustainable drives. I need to see going the distance because if you're going to play in these barn burner games, you're going to need to sustain drives. You can't be three of t- two of 10, excuse me, on third down. Now I will give the defense credit. They only allowed three of nine. Yeah. Third down. So it wasn't a game where we saw a lot of sustainable drives. It was very much like the big play. Here I go, ebb and flow. But like, I need to see more third down conversions. Um, I know I'm asking a lot because it was a quick turnaround from week one to week two. And I'm done. Wow. But I need Finish. to see him. Finish. You got six I seconds. To, I, need to, I need to see more third down conversions because I want to see this offense just flourish I mean be who they are I don't I don't feel like they've like I feel like they hit this like scratch the surface this week but they haven't dove deep just yet I, yeah go ahead I'll, I think uh given the fact that you're talking about third downs the, one of the stats that jumped out to me especially at the end of that game was if you look at weeks one and weeks two combined they are eight for 26 on third mm. down 30 percent mm. eight for 26 second worst third down conversion team in the NFL so that's the thing is we talk about each week you know what's something that could be improved upon for me it's it, the offense was finally clicking last week we hit some big plays we hit some big touchdowns but now you need to be able to do the thing that coach wants to do and we love to do which is sustain drives eat up the clock score and don't give them enough time and wiggle room to try to catch up and and I think that's where it, Corso's big play comes in where it just makes up for all the good momentum that you've got. For us, I think for for me this week, I want to see them be able to have multiple third down conversions and and sustain those kind of drives yeah. to just eat up the clock. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of how bad of a cook I am because I see a recipe. Are you 30%? <laughs> yeah, basically, you should. Yes, you should definitely. Yes, that's the true answer. Um, but if, if you think about like we've got this recipe and we are going to make this feast and we're ready to go and it's all on the paper and you try and you put it together and like I do and I and I give my all and it's just not there. It just doesn't look like the picture. It doesn't taste like the picture. Well, not that you can taste the picture, but it doesn't taste like what you think the picture t- should taste like. And I think we're almost there. Yeah. I, I really, that's that's just, I feel like we're right on the cusp of it. It's just like, you know. We just got to add some extra seasoning uh, to, well, that, to that dish. Or if it's not seasoning, you got to cook it a little bit longer. It's because, it, speaking of cook, yeah. Dalvin Cook. Well, I was about to say, let's get the chef in the kitchen. I know I kind of set that up, but I wasn't on purpose. I was really thinking about how bad of a cook I am, but like you could get better with time, right? Yeah, we can. I mean, it only has to. number 33 chef in there and help you out a little bit. But I mean, that goes into getting yourself in situations like that, pushing yourself on third down, emphasizing third down in practice, having literally two or three periods. Hey, this is what we're working on today or like for you when you're cooking hey you know th- that that cereal i put a little bit too much milk in there maybe this time i can take some milk out or you know i don't want to okay i can make cereal game i don't want to downplay your <laughs> cooking here i, <laughs> I can make cereal <laughs> but just i mean just simple things of just getting back in the kitchen 
going back to the drawing board and, and chefing it up and understanding that we could we can get we can be better in those situations, you know. And then I guess just looking at your customers and seeing their face and if they're pleased this time, hey, we we did a better job. And if fans are pleased in what we did on third down this week, we did a better job this week and go from there. Every good chef has very good uh, mise en place, mm. where it's basically doing all of the prep work in order to get ready for cooking. Yeah. And then it goes by not only experience, but it goes by time and feel. And I think as we've, we, we may have put out a couple of uh, stinkers here, the first two, and we may have, you know, burnt the scallops in the first two, two editions here. But <laughs> for me, I'm looking for Seahawks because they taste like chicken. And so mm. let's, uh, let's do what we need to do here in practice this week. Take care of your mise en place and then be able to go out. Way and cook to a bring meal. it full circle. Producer Jay Nelson. Oven roasted Seahawks. Someone used to work in a kitchen for a little bit. Yeah, I can tell because I don't know what mise en place is. I'm sorry, I never heard of it. Do you know what it means in yeah. English? Everything in its place. To put oh. in to put in place. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But you know, we do want to see the fans cooking up a big atmosphere on Sunday because as much as we're venting, because I feel like we had a couple of extra event sessions this week, but as much as we are venting, we've got a big opportunity on Sunday with a home opener against a Seahawks team that showed a lot of weakness last week. I feel like there are some good uh, matchups and advantages we can take or matchups we can take advantage of. We'll get to that in just a second, but first we're going to get you fans ready for the big home opener because there's a lot of new stuff coming your way. And we'll hear it all from the Vikings director of entertainment, Greg Bostrom. It'll be 637 days since U.S. Bank Stadium was packed with the Purple Faithful. Fans are making their long-awaited return on Sunday afternoon, making sure that they have a good time as Vikings Director of Entertainment, Greg Bostrom, our podcast guest this week. Greg, how are you? And I mean, I'm sure you're like a kid on Christmas Day. Yeah, we've been excited for this day. Like you said, 637 days since we had fans. That just seems absolutely insane. But uh, finally, the home opener is around the corner, and can I just say I'm so honored to be your guest today, guys, of everyone you could have chosen, so um, I'm excited to be on. You're kind of a big deal, Greg. Just a little bit. I, I don't know if I would say that. I like to think of myself a little bit more of the Wizard of Oz behind the curtains, and uh, certainly the credit belongs to everyone on the team doing all the hard work, but um, it's a lot of fun, especially when we when we look at game days and the, the 10 home games at U.S. Bank Stadium are some of my favorite days of the year every year. Yeah, it's like Christmas came early, but I guess three weeks late. In in this case, we had two away games. Well, three away games if you count the Chiefs' last preseason game. So it's it's long overdue that we finally have fans back. And I know there's a lot going on. I know we've had, I mean, with VN, like eight or nine shoots getting ready for, uh, I guess, this upcoming Sunday. So any any teasers that you can give fans for what to expect uh, this upcoming Sunday? Yeah, well, like you said, we've been working hard. This extra opening at home on week three has actually been a huge blessing for our team to give us a little extra time to tie it all together. But we've just been treating this day as a historic moment for the franchise. It's not the same without fans in the building. This is a really important moment. We're treating it like a grand reopening of the building, and we're trying to give it that big game feel that you would have uh, if you came to a playoff game or any other big game in the stadium's history. So we've been really focused on giving the fans a great experience when they do come back. Um, a couple elements in there I'd, I'd love to, to chat through, but I think the, the key takeaway is uh, we're trying to bring it. We're trying to bring that, uh, bring it for the fans, and we know that fans will bring the energy, and we know the impact that that will make on the team. 
Yeah, there are some exciting, exciting things planned for Sunday. As someone who may be a little bit more privy to the knowledge as we are here, I, I almost don't even want to tell people because it's like I don't want to spoil the surprises. But um, as far as what goes into creating the game atmosphere, what has it been like to make sure this really pops on Sunday? Yeah, well, I think we started with um, trying to define the the guidelines of what we wanted to achieve and uh, what do the fans actually want. If you go back, you know, we've we've got a lot of good data and analytics and surveys from fans over the years and conversations, and uh, that sense of camaraderie at the game is a huge part of people's experience. That the traditions we have with this franchise. I mean, I, I feel so lucky to work with a sixty-one year. Uh, old franchise here with so many cool traditions and, and historical elements. So we wanted to, to strengthen and amplify those traditions. Um, and we just wanted to make sure that when you're coming to a game, that is the best place to watch uh, the Vikings play. You know, the broadcast experience is really, really good. And we know not every fan can, can come to every game. But when you do come to a game, uh, we want to make sure that is a lifelong memory and that it's the best place to watch the Vikings play. Speaking of lifelong memories, I hear there's a big time intro that you guys are preparing. Mm-hmm. So I know you don't want to tell us too much, Greg, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Uh, so there's actually a lot of fans come to only one or two games every year. We, you know, we have a big season ticket member database, but you know, a season ticket member might send their ticket to their brother or you know a friend, or they sell a ticket here. So there's um, in previous years, we've had over 500,000 people attend at least one Vikings game, which wow. is kind of crazy when you think about it. And one way that 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 influenced our thinking is the tradition of introing our team onto the field. For a lot of people, they'll only see that one time. Maybe they'll see it twice. And um, we spent a lot of effort in that sequence. If you think about um, if you've ever, you know, you guys have been to the game. So the team comes out and does their warm-ups about an hour prior to kick. That's a really fun experience. Then they go back in the locker room about 30 minutes prior to kickoff. And there's this um, there's this moment where you're kind of waiting for them to take the field and for them to run out of that big, beautiful dragon ship. And we've really focused a lot of our efforts there and bringing, bringing fans along for a journey there, building up the anticipation for that really big moment when the Vikings finally hit the field as a team ready to play. Um, and, and we're just really excited to, to unveil it for, for fans. I mean, a couple elements I'll share from within that. For anybody who doesn't know, we entered into a partnership with the Minnesota Orchestra this year, and, and they provided a custom score for this whole Showtime sequence. Uh, so legendary conductor Osmo Vanska in his final year with the Minnesota Orchestra after, after a long run, um, they commissioned Tommy Barbarella of, of local fame. He was part of Prince's new power generation and has done a lot of cool stuff since then. He, he composed the custom score. And the entire 100-plus person orchestra uh, com- performed the music that our fans will hear as part of this introduction sequence. Um, that's a really cool element. We've been grateful to the orchestra for their partnership and excited for fans to see it. So you're but, saying it's going to be theatrical and dramatic. Yeah, it's a show. <laughs> you know, it's a show. People, at the end of the day, people come to the game yeah. and cheer on the fans, but it's, it's entertainment, right? So we want, yeah. we want to entertain them. And um, we we think that fans will come along for the ride. I guess our only plea would be make sure you get in your seats at least, you know, 30, 20 minutes prior to kickoff so you can see it all. Yeah, um, yeah it's a show. Yeah, I've told um, I have some family coming in town, and I told them the game starts at three twenty-five. Make sure you're there by two fifteen, so you don't miss out. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But but talk about you know orchestra like you're you're stringing me along now. So just speaking of stringing <laughs> fans along with that, I know 
Gee, with a little quips, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I, like it. I mean, there, there's love so it. much that goes into it. I mean, if you if you just type in best NFL game day experience on Google right now, and if you click on, click on any article, Vikings are you know at least number one, number two. They're, they're within the top five on every article. And I know a lot of hard work goes into that. So the, the time and effort uh, spent putting into game day, like how many hours or how much work is involved in, in putting all of that together? Oh man, it, I mean it's a lot. Um, Jay would know. Jay's a big part of it. He's in, he's in all these meetings, so if he's you know, when he's not producing these wonderful podcasts, he's a big part of our game days. But um, you know, we just we know it's a responsibility. It's a you know, it's one of those like great power, great responsibility things. I I grew up a Vikings fan. I I started loving the team when I was ten years old, and Randy Moss was breaking every record in the world. And um, so I know how much this means to people because it means that much to me too. So to have the chance to to kind of uh, guide their game day experience. I know I feel great responsibility there. The team feels great responsibility there. And uh, we really put as much as, as we can into it. But uh, when we're talking about what it takes to pull off a game day, I'd remiss not to mention a few names here. Uh, Darius Smith, who's in charge of our entertainment. And My guy. Arthur, uh, yeah, that, every, everybody's guy. He's a man. <laughs> um, Arthur Koo, video and, and graphics, Jesse Marquette and Alan Wertheimer and Ryan uh, McCarthy on the tech side. Jay, the aforementioned wonderful Jay Nelson and Lee Berg on the on the uh, graphic side. So um, that whole team there has been putting in long hours for weeks and months on end to, to prepare for this day, and we're excited. And I know that you spoke just a second ago about being a longtime Vikings fan, and there have been plenty of traditions that you've been a part of over the years, but there's one that you guys are trying to get going this year, and I think it's pretty special. Yeah. Uh, so to your point, 2016, the first game was that, that was the first time we ever did the Skull Chant. And it's, it seems crazy that it's only been around that long because it's such a part of our lifeblood now. You know, the Gallarhorn uh, preceded that by not too many years. It started in the Metrodome. Um we're calling back a story from the 60s here, which I think is so mm. cool. Some of our fans will have heard it. Um, everybody knows the Purple People Eaters, right? The most vaunted D-line in history, if you ask me. Um, Jim Marshall at DN, Carl Eller at DN, Alan Page at D-Tackle. So they used to play in the Met Stadium, uh, which was freezing cold, right? It's an outdoor stadium in mm. Minnesota. And they would tell a story that when the sun dropped in Met Stadium, it went from cold to like another planet, you know, it dropped 10 degrees, the snow comes whipping through, it's windy. And after playing there a number of years, all our guys knew that was about to happen, but the opponents didn't know it was about to happen. So right before it was about to drop 10 degrees, they would stand at the, at the O-line and start chanting, Odin, Odin. <laughs> and Odin, Odin is the Viking god of war, if you didn't know. So they're, they're calling out to the Viking god of war, basically. And then a few minutes later, it's like a new entity has entered the field. It's freezing cold, it starts snowing. And it's the, the quote from Jim I love is, the opponent's like, what matter of men are these? These guys are crazy. <laughs> um, so we just think that's such a cool story. We had a chance to, to talk to Jim about it and Carl and Alan Page and Paul Krause and some others. And um, we'll be kind of retelling that story as part of the Showtime sequence. Uh, love the ability to, to touch back on our franchise history and, and honestly love that that franchise history touches back on actual Viking history uh, with sort of the, the Norse mythology. So, um, 
I look at, you know, Greg, I look at things in threes and I look at Sunday as, you know, once the game starts, it's the player's job to deliver a good performance for Corso, Jay, Tatum and I. Our job is to get fans in the seats or at least get them to the game. So that's the second phase of, you know, of what we do here with the Vikings. I feel like for you, once they get in the seats, it's you guys' job to entertain them until the players get out there. So, you know, how much pride and passion do you have behind, you know, the element of what you guys do? So much, uh, so much pride and passion. You know, the, the football side has been really supportive of us at every step. The ownership, the Will family has been really supportive. They understand the impact we can make. Um, at the end of the day, and I, I'm sure everyone in my position would say this, but it's actually true for me. Like, we have the best fans in the NFL. Mm. Um, we could probably do our jobs poorly and they would still make the, the building the best. But he doesn't. Don't worry. <laughs> <Yeah>. He doesn't. <laughs> um, but, but it's, uh, yeah, just to be able to give that fans that experience. I mean, they want to provide a home field advantage for the team. They know the impact they're making. So just to be able to support them and kind of, you know, help rally the troops w- when needed, you know, big defensive stop, give them something to cheer about. Um, it's a big source of pride and especially after being in the building last year with no fans, you can't put into words how much the fans were missed. You cannot put into words. Um, You could, you could look across the NFL and for the first time ever, I think there was no home field advantage that road team won just as many times as the home team won. Yeah. Um, So that's a tangible stat. You can look at and say home field advantage matters. And we didn't have it last year. So, yeah, Tatum and I, this is our both of our first home game as a Vikings employee. So we're, we're pumped. We are pumped. extremely pumped. Tell me about the skull chant, Greg, while you're here, because <laughs> I know that's a basic yeah. thing for a lot of the Vikings fans listening, but we have two people in this uh, TCO radio studio that have never heard a full skull chant at U.S. Bank Stadium. No, and honestly, I just learned something new. I didn't realize it was a fairly new thing. Yeah. I, that 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 does actually blow my mind. They went, you guys went, they went to like yeah. Iceland, right, and like adopted it? We got it approved by yeah. the Iceland soccer team, um, yeah. who pretty much had the original school chant. They That's didn't call bad. it that, but yeah. it was That's just bad. so amazing. Like and, and led by Brian Harper, the, the head of VEN here, and, and guys like Greg and you know all the content videographers we have, we were, they, they were able to pull something together yeah. that concluded with uh, the mountain from Game of Thrones. What? Talk, talk about tapping yep. in. Yep. Coming and smashing a, uh, a Green Bay Packers helmet on a video <laughs> at U.S. Bank Stadium and right, introducing, yeah, he introduced the skull chant. And wow. Greg, why don't you give a little background about that? Yeah, that one was really cool. I, I joined the team in May 2016. You know, we opened the building and um, we, we had a ribbon cutting in July 2016. So it was like straight into the deep end. I I came from the music festival world. I used to produce music festivals. So like I was in the entertainment space, but honestly, Game Press was brand new to me. And uh, right away, got to work on some really fun projects. That Fire Breathing Dragon that we talked about was one of the first projects I got to work on. Darn um, Titans. Gold chant. Yeah, yeah. You were there, right? Well, we yeah, I was there. I was too. on the field. It was awful. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, it's Tatum's fault. I mean, no, <laughs> yeah, while we're on that, I got to tell the fans that are listening here, we do not get to shoot fire from the field. It's the NFL policy. It remains in place. So we're very sad about that, but it's not our choice. Wow, we would wow, be wow. shooting that fireball if we could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but back to Mark Shag's up school chant. So. Yeah, it was, it was right around that time Iceland, the national uh, soccer team, had beaten England, which, um, I mean, uh, full disclosure, I'm not a huge soccer guy, but apparently that's like 
equivalent to a triple-A baseball team beating Corso's Yankees or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, like, they had this giant town square gathering, and they did this Viking war clap. And it was the first time the world had kind of seen it go viral. And, uh, you know, as Brian Harper, our boss, tells the story, he had a, you know, a dozen people email him and say, Viking war clap, you guys got to do this. So um, it was perfect timing to sort of pick it up and run. Um, my predecessor in this role, Brett Tabor, is a legend. Uh, he's, he's now heads up our foundation, but he kind of led the efforts to, to get in touch with um, with the people on the Iceland national team, Aaron Gunnarsson, their, uh, or Gunnarsson, their captain, and, and Thor Bjornsson, the mountain, as Corso mentioned, and um, really made it something authentic where we said, we love this chant. We don't want to steal it. We want to make, we want to extend it to the, bro- you know, your brothers in Minnesota sort of thing. Um, and they leaned into that. And, um, you know, the rest is sort of history over time. It, it just got better and better. And now it's kind of ingrained in what we do, I think. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we can stress enough in this conversation just how much, how important it is for fans to get there early. I mean, if you think getting there early on your normal time is right, I'd give yourself an extra hour. At because least. you've got between traffic and, and people and the kickoff concert, we have Dustin Lynch playing um, out the common area. I mean, it's just going to be a whole day. I'd say, I'd say get there really early just so that you don't miss anything. I mean, this is going to be epic. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned the, the kickoff rally out on the commons. That's a good excuse to get there early. Um, like you said, Dustin Lynch headlining. I mean, just one of the great names in, in country music. I'm, I'm sure most of the people listening, if you type them into your Spotify, you've heard a couple of his songs. He, he'll go on stage at one, but that, that party starts as early as 10 a.m. So come out, you know, have a beer or two if you so desire. Listen to some great music headlined by Dustin Lynch and then head on inside and get ready for showtime. And it's free, by the way. It's free. You don't even need a mm. game ticket to go. I'm, I'm glad you added that. I feel like the uh, yeah. the, the beer is always taste better when it's free, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and then also, it's the return of split the pot. From what I hear, that's something I haven't seen before. But uh, Greg, I mean, that's kind of something I think fans love to do when they get to the stadium. A hundred percent. I mean, I think um, you know, you mentioned Brett Tabor and the foundation. His team's been working on bringing this to the to U.S. Bank Stadium for years, and we we finally got it. And uh, for people that aren't aware, you buy a raffle ticket, half of it goes to charity and the, and the wonderful wow. things that the Minnesota Vikings Foundation supports. And the other half goes to a winner, you know. So I don't know how high the pot will get, but some of these places, the winner takes home 40000 bucks or something. So uh, that could be a little side action for your game day. Greg, um, I feel like we're, we're talking about what we're most looking forward to, but being on the game press team, leading this team, like what are you most looking forward to? As basic as it is, just having the roar of the crowd again. It's um, it's such a visceral thing for when you're standing there in the building and and you feel the crowd reacting to what's going on. And um, uh, you know, for the people that work on game press, that's what we that's what we live for. The other uh, 355 days a year when there's not a home game. Is, is that roar of the crowd. And um, so I'm just excited for that. I think this whole Showtime sequence that the team I mentioned before has brought a lot of that project in-house. Um, you know, most teams will hire out a third-party production company to do this stuff. Uh, not not the case for our team. Really leaned into it. Hmm. Um, built something that's specific to our team, specific to our fans, has meaning to the community, we think. So 
um, I'm really excited for, for that to debut. And I'm really excited because I know the team's going to get a win this week. I just know <laughs> it. Heck yes. Yes. And I think that will definitely get them amped up and ready to play the Seahawks on Sunday. So a big thank you to Vikings Director of Entertainment, Greg Brostrom, for joining us. And Greg, honestly, thank you so much from a fan's perspective for putting in all the blood, sweat, and tears to making this a really special moment for the fans and, and kind of getting us all prepped up and ready to go for Sunday. My pleasure. And thanks so much for, for having me on on behalf of the whole team. Um, and fans, we can't wait to see you on Sunday. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Have see a good you, day. See well, I know we are all excited to return to U.S. Bank Stadium. And while we're at it, let's go around the table and do two things we're excited about. One thing we're nervous about. I will say, though, off limits, you can't say you're excited that football's back. You can't say you're excited to see fans. Off limits. Greg did that already. Exactly. (laughs) So I want to get more into the actual game itself. So Corso, why don't you take the lead this time? And uh, two things you're excited about and one thing that makes you nervous. I'm excited to see Justin Jefferson do the gritty into the end zone. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm excited. I, I think we've missed that electrifying play from Justin Jefferson. We had one in week one where he kind of, we thought he had a touchdown, but it wasn't. I want to see him, you know, break a deep ball from Kirk Cousins and and do his little gritty easily into the end zone. Um, The second thing I'm excited about is to see the defensive line and how they react to the fans. Um, I think the Vikings defense has just been so much better at home. We've played Russell Wilson so many times in this Mike Zimmer tenure. A lot of times it's been in Seattle. This time, it's here. Finally, it's here. I believe the last time they came to Minnesota was at that terrible game uh, with the Blair Walsh missed kick. That was the end of my first season with the Vikings. Not a great first uh, impression, (laughs) (laughs) that's for sure. But I I just since then, I've just wanted to beat this team every single time we play them. It's always been on Monday night in Seattle, and I'm so happy it's here at U.S. Bank Stadium. Last thing I am worried and, stre- and not excited about <laughs> I heard the word and stressed, stressed about <laughs> is Russell Wilson. I mean, he just has our number. It, it, I know Mike Zimmer has some of the best numbers um, as a defensive coach against Russell Wilson. Like, if you go back and actually look at the stats, but he's found a way to win a lot of these games. And it's really, you know, mobile quarterbacks against Mike Zimmer. It's just something that, that I hate. And I want to see Anthony Barr hopefully get back. That would be a big-time help mm-hmm. um, for that whole situation. Of course, Russell Wilson is 7-0 and against the Vikings in his say. career. Mm-hmm. I think I know my stuff. That's it. I mean, he's 7-0. and And like you said, the last time he was here... Nine Let's, six wins, ten nine wins. Like I don't even know if those are the exact numbers, but that's what they felt like. Jim. Yeah, the last time, the last <laughs> home game was ten to nine in that 2015 playoff game, and that's the thing that people always go nuts about Seattle is why are we always playing in Seattle? Yeah. Now again, you get some home cooking, and uh, you know, hopefully, this will be a difference maker again. Like we've talked about with the fans having their juice in the in the building, hopefully, will help us get over that hump. Why do we always beat the Saints and not the Seahawks? They're both very good teams, and we find a way to beat the Saints. I think you hit the head, the nail on the head with the mobile quarterback. Yeah, You're not going to get that out of that you know, Drew Brees yeah. in the pocket like that. It's it's the mobility of it all that Mike Zimmer. Although I will say, like how promising that looks. I'll save this for mine, but how promising <laughs> that looks for um, after watching 
the you know, I know Kyler was able to do some Kyler Murray things, but you know, the defense kept him in check for the most part. Um Two besides the big plays. I yeah. mean, you really can't ask him to do more than that. And so I think they're although I know Russell and Kyler are very different in the way that they play, but they still have that mobility factor. And so I think that was a good primer to get the defense ready to go to finally beat Russell Wilson. Mm. Yes. Yes. All right, Jay. Two things you're excited about, one thing you're nervous. The first thing I'm going to say is actually I'm excited about, but I'm also minorly nervous about because we <laughs> still don't have a full answer. Uh, first thing I'm excited about is the prospects of the running game against the Seattle defense. Uh, last week, everyone's seen the stat. King Henry ran for 183 yards. He he had uh, 147 in the second half and three touchdowns. That's very Adrian Peterson-like when he used to be here. Um, but the fact that Derrick Henry not only had 182 yards rushing, but combined, he had 237 yards on the game. So that sounds absolutely stoked for a guy like Delvin Cook to have a monster game. Now, we all know Seattle keyed off of him last time we played him. We all know every team is going to key off of him because as he goes, our offense seems to go. Mm -hmm. But if uh, fully healthy or at least close to healthy Delvin is going to be on that field, I think his prospects for this week are, are really, really good. Secondly, this Seattle secondary is also very vulnerable. Tannehill last week had 347 yards passing, including six receptions for 128 to Julio Jones. There were nine different receivers that had a reception in that game, and that just means that if our guys are looking to try and pick it up, we've had K.J. Osborne the last couple games really stepping up. Corso, you cited Justin Jefferson. I think if J.J. can get going too, it's not only those guys, but you can see tight ends and everybody across the board be able to to have a shot downfield. Now, what am I worried about or mm -hmm. what makes me nervous? Bobby Wagner. Bobby hmm. Wagner had not only a career high, but a franchise high 20 tackles last week in that game, breaking his own record of 19 from, <laughs> from a couple years ago. Yep. Bobby Wagner, there's a reason why uh, he is the lifeblood of that defense. And I think Given some of the issues that we had, yes, we we did better on protection. Yes, downfield, our, some of our guys were getting open. But Bobby Wagner is a guy that's used like Eric Hendricks, like Anthony Barr. He can spy. He can get all over that field. He can also cover. Bobby Wagner's my guy. That's the X factor that the offense is going to have to pay attention to. Yeah, Bobby Wagner is a bad man. Mm. Bad, <laughs> bad man. Um, no, I, I like all your points. I think that the with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill popping off, it does kind of mirror this offense to a certain extent, and I do think that could be a huge benefit to watch that tape and hopefully emulate that. But I mean, but in that regard, you're going to need this. You're, you're going to need the Seahawks to to put it bluntly, have a minor meltdown in the second half because they were up 15 at halftime. And obviously they made the right, the Titans made the right adjustments to kind of have their number. So you're going to have to be able to adjust on the fly just in case they, they feel like they have the blueprint for this team. And even then it came down to an overtime field goal to make mm -hmm. that happen. True. They were 52 and 0 going, uh, coming out of half with a 15 point lead. They were 52 and 0. <laughs> oh, that's it. Going into that game. And then, the Cowboys were able to capitalize on that and make them choke it away in that game. And so I just think for them, they're seeing this as a lick their wounds type game as well, where they're oh, going to yeah. come into our house going, we shouldn't have lost that game. We should be 2-0. and And they're, they're going to be hungry for blood. Two things you're excited about and one thing you're nervous about. Well, Jay, I feel like you were looking at my 
play call again. I know we. This I is the like run, no. This is the running the joke page, now. Right? Like me and Jay, we have a running joke now where he's like, "I stole your thunder." We literally <laughs> will text back and forth after I listen to something he said on another show and was just like, "Man, I took your take on this thing." So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. But Dalvin Cook is one thing I'm excited about. I think um, this is a a big game for him. Last year, but I think he had 17 carries, 65 yards. Uh, right before he got hurt, and he had, um, I think, five receptions for 24 yards. So he, he almost had 100 yards in the first half before he got hurt. And we know Dalvin Cook or any good running back against the Seattle Seahawks defense, they pretty much have a day. Jay, you already talked about um, Derrick Henry, what he did last week. But 401 all-purpose yards given up to running backs this season in two games, I, I think that fares well for, for Dalvin Cook this week. I, I'm expecting at least 200 all-purpose yards for Dalvin Cook. I think 150 is the start in the run game. I think, you know, Dalvin Cook is a more dynamic or at least more explosive running back than Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's more, you know, more strong. He can probably break more tackles, but I'm I'm a huge Dalvin Cook fan. I'm happy to have him on the team, and I think this is his breakout game, at least in my eyes. The second thing that I'm excited about is our defensive line. I think we will get to Russell Wilson uh, a numerous amount of times. Jay, I know you talked about how Russell Wilson and Corso, you said it too. He has our number. However, we have sacked Russell Wilson 11 times in those seven games that we've played him. Russell Wilson is the most sacked quarterback since 2012. He's been sacked 400 times exactly since 2012. And I think Daniil Hunter will have another day. I think Michael Pierce and Dalvin Tomlinson. I'm expecting Dalvin Tomlinson to get his first sack this week. Michael Pierce is my sack machine yeah and he should <laughs> be thought you could say that <laughs> and he should be and i mean i think they will get a lot of pressure on this seattle seahawks front i guess front five i don't think their front five is as good as the arizona cardinals so i mean i'm expecting a big game there is just containing uh, russell wilson but the one thing i am nervous about is tyler lockett i know all the credit is going to dk metcalf and you know his physical attributes but tyler lockett i mean just his stats alone um last game Eight receptions, 178 yards. Week one, four receptions, 100 yards, two touchdowns. He's averaging 23 yards per catch in two games. Like, that is outlandish. Second in receiving yards right right now in the NFL. I know that's not saying much. It's only week two. But the guy is getting open. He's getting better every year. Every single season, he's gotten better. He had 1,000 receiving yards the last two seasons. And then in 2018, he had 900 receiving yards. So he's getting better every year. And I know he's expecting to have a big game against P2. And Bashar Breeland and maybe Cam Dantzler. So I think those guys are up for the challenge. Luckily, uh, P2 has seen Tyler Lockett the past five or six years, just being in the same division the past five or six years. So we'll see how that how that'll bold against this Minnesota Vikings defense. But I'm a little concerned. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, Tyler Lockett is the first in, is first in the league first man coverage, which we yeah. know we wow. play a lot. Of. I can believe it. Wow. Um, and so he's got a 98.5. Pro football focus grade when it comes to man. He's so shifty. He's like, and you can't play press man against him because he's just going to run by you. And Mm -hmm. then if you play off man, I mean, now now you got to deal with him in space. Yeah, he's going to be pesky. For me, Lockett is my puff my chest out guy for when he came into the NFL because I was a giant fan of his at Kansas State. Mm. I thought he was a great K-State guy. And when he originally came in, they're like, oh, this is going to be our punt returner. And then he started going crazy for him and he just worked his way into the offense more and more. I put him in all my dynasty leagues, all my fantasy teams nice. <laughs> as a rookie. But it was just one of those things that he over the years has evolved from not only being the shifty guy to being the home run hitter. Yeah. And then DK came in, all the accolades, rightfully so. 
but Lockett has been that steady guy that game to game he might not have triple digits, yeah. but like you were just talking about, if you leave him one-on-one oh. or you start getting into a track meet, he is going to burn you more than not, and he's going to make you pay. And that's what teams have been doing. They've just been doubling DK Metcalf because they know how great of a receiver he is. So Tyler Lockett is one-on-one, and it's just like, man, we, f- we forgot about this guy, number 16, that can stretch the field. And, I mean, he had, a, what, an 80-yard bomb last week? Yeah. And it was just a just a regular post route, caught the ball, split through the defender, six points. Like, eight. I mean, the, the guy can play. So we will We're definitely— We're not talking about big plays anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially after last week. I'm Should expecting a to see a lot of— that, huh? I'm sure we'll see a lot of too high, too yeah. high show from this defense yep. this week. Okay, guys. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive right into what I'm excited about. I'm excited to see this offense go to work. Um, after I mean, l- what a glow up from week one to week two is just the best way I can put it. I just felt like everyone was more comfortable with each other. The line really stepped up. They're gonna have to do that again this week. And you touched on it a little bit about. Uh, all of you kind of did about about being able to move against the Seattle defense. Uh, last season, they were on pace to set an NFL record for most yards allowed in the first half of the year. Um, they've never, and, and during that stretch, they never allowed more than 522 yards of offense, which obviously seems insane. But they did allow the, the Titans 532. So. You know, they kind of have this Jekyll and Hyde of who's going to show up that day. So I really hope they can get in there, make some third down conversions and just, you know, enforce their will on the Seattle defense early in this game with the help of the fan energy. Um, The other thing I'm excited about and and go with me on this one. I am excited to see Greg Joseph's response to this past week because I think he won the press conference. I think Mike Zimmer is winning the situation as far as how to handle everything. And I think this will be the moment, whether you say that kick or that situation made or broke Greg Joseph. And I'm really excited to see him respond because I don't I, I'm, I don't know what it's going to be like. Obviously, none of us do. But I want to I, I think we're going to see it in this game because it's we're going to he's going to have to get in there at some point. Well, and I mean, obviously, like make all of his extra points, but like we're going to see it. And I'm really excited to see his response, because I do think that a lot of a lot of the talk this week has been surrounding that. Um, what I'm nervous about um, I know you said Tyler Lockett, and yes, I obviously am very nervous about Tyler Lockett. But I'm, I'm actually with the way that he's played the last two weeks. I'm a little more nervous about DK Metcalf because I feel like he's due for a big game, and I think that there will be more focus now, maybe a little bit more so on Lockett. So Metcalf um, is definitely a point of emphasis. The way that you they silenced. Don, uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the first quarter after the first quarter, I think you can do that with. Lock it. I'm worried that it might be like a Rondell Moore situation where we'll see either Swaim or or DK kind of pop off because you've got, you know, one yeah. good man coverage guy on on the guy that is so good against man coverage. So that's what I'm nervous about. There's a lot of weapons out there, but if your points about seeing the defensive line step up, then I think that they could really help out the guys in the back. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and those guys complement each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you coverage sacks or, you know, rush sacks or blitz sacks, I mean, the secondary and defensive line complement each other. Sure. Rightfully so, but 
I'm with you with what you're nervous about. I do think DK is due for or for a big game, but Freddie Swain is the guy that yes. that that bothers me or concerns me too. Because you five saw re- how Rondell Moore right and performed. he had, he had yeah. five receptions for 95 yards last week against the Tennessee Titans. So and that a touchdown is, and a touchdown. So Oof. so that's something that that not many people are talking mm-hmm. about, and I'm sure he's licking his shot. Just being a slot receiver myself, I know how it feels when the two outside receivers get all the the praise and everybody's doubling them. I'm like, all right, bet. I'm about to have me a big game. And then <laughs> yeah. by the time halftime hits, I'm, you know, I got a buck 20. And they're like, yo, we, we didn't even game plan for this guy. Like, why is this guy getting 120 receiving yards on us? So, yeah, that that is Eric Kendricks or um, I guess Mackenzie Alexander. He's going to have his hands full this week like he did last week. It's going to be a big game on Sunday. Kickoff set for 325. But as you heard earlier in the podcast, Get there early. There's going to be a lot of fun times, starting with the kickoff concert in the Commons. Opens at 10 a.m., Dustin Lynch, 1 o'clock, and obviously the brand new intro and all of the fun pregame festivities within U.S. Bank Stadium beginning before kickoff. So make sure you get there early. And to get you ready for this week, guys, what's going on within VE and what's something that you think fans need to check out this week to get you ready? Corso, you want to go? I'm going to start with the Audible, you know, just uh, producing this for for VEN. I'm really excited. We got K.J. Osborne joining Justin Jefferson to talk about his first career touchdown last week. So um, I'm really excited about, you know, we'll have Gabe ask him some fun questions, a little trivia action, maybe some know your teammates sort of thing. So I'm very excited for that show. So be on the lookout. Gabe? Um. Viking Circle is back this week. Nice. And we have Patrick Peterson. And oh, wow. We intentionally did it this way because we knew everybody was going to get him last week because mm-hmm. it's going back to Arizona. But people kind of overlooked the fact that he played the Seahawks, what, 13, 14 times in his career. So he knows the Seahawks better than he knows his own team. So mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk, you know, just his time in Arizona last week. I know he kind of downplayed it to the media. So I'm going to try to pull some strings like I told Greg Bostrom earlier. So pull some strings. Pull it out of him a little bit and have some fun. So be on the lookout for that. I know he does not like the Seahawks at all. So good conversation. Be on the lookout for that. And, of course, we'll have opposing viewpoints this week with Seahawks writer John Boyle. It should be fun for all. Eric Smith will be providing our perspective on those opposing viewpoints. That will be on Thursday. And, of course, after the game this week, we have the Vikings postgame live presented by Miller Lite. And this week's guest, we've got Ron Johnson joining us as our analyst. So that should be a lot of fun. He'll get all that done before he heads to the hit the phone lines for the fan line. So don't worry. Don't worry about Ron. He'll be on those fan lines. We're just going to borrow him for a little bit beforehand. So So you hear Ron Sunday twice. You hear him after the game with you for post game live. You hear him, you know, Mm -hmm. K fan fan line. And then he's on Vikings Vantage this week, which will be on K fan on Friday. Well, if you're a fan of Ron so Johnson, yeah, yeah, a lot of Ron Johnson this week. Make, a lot of Ron make Johnson. Sure, make sure you you yeah listen to everything, watch everything this week. I I know it's going to be such an amazing weekend. Something we'll all remember as the first time back for fans in U.S. Bank Stadium. In like I said at the beginning, in 637 days, I went and did the math. I know you guys are ready to see your Vikings team out there, and we're going to get a win this week. I am very confident. I am very optimistic. So for Greg Bostrom, our guest today, Chris Corso, Gabe Henderson, Jay Nelson, I'm Tatum Everett. Let's go Vikings. This is going to be a big week. Let's go. Cool.